Hey everyone, Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 Podcast. Today it is the 7th of December, 2022. And on today's show, where does the Big 12 fit in the hierarchy of college football right now? It's a conversation that we've had several times, but we're going to revisit it now after the entire regular season has now been completed in the Big 12. So a talk about where the Big 12 is in relation to really the Power 5 right now. You are Locked On Big 12. Your daily podcast on the Big 12 Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Once again, Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 Podcast, 7th of December, 2022. Make sure you guys subscribe to the channel. We're about 140 subs away right now from uh, from getting to 3K. So please, please subscribe right now, Locked On Big 12. Tap the bell for notifications, like the videos, and please Leave comments as well. Always love interacting with you all. You can find the podcast wherever you get your podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Twitter at LOBig12. You guys can find me at Josh Neighbors underscore. So kind of going with a big picture theme today, we've really been focusing on a lot of the individual teams, particularly TCU, Kansas State. We've hit some of the transfer news recently as well. We'll continue to do that. And we'll really have a, a kind of a look back on the whole season for all of these teams once the bowl games are done and we kind of have a better picture of what's happening uh, in terms of where they are like after their seasons are over and then they have, you know, they head into the early signing period, really kind of a recap of like what's happening there. But I think that now we've completed the regular season and the conference championship season. We're in bowl season. We can kind of look back and think about, all right, you know, not just this year, but as of late, like where is the Big 12 now? in relation to the rest of the power five leagues and what's its spot really not just, you know, and uh, I mean, obviously in college basketball is kind of things too, but like football is King, right? That's what we're talking about right now. And, and what is the big 12's position? You know, how do they continue to advance that position? All those kinds of things. And really I think is, you know, the question is about like, is the big 12 the third best conference? Right. And I know some of you on there are like big 12s. You know, I love the big 12. It's the conference I cover for both Sirius XM mostly. And also obviously here on the podcast and I'm a big 12 Homer. Sure. I love the conference, love the league, but um, you know, honesty is like, let's be honest here. A lot of these schools are competing for third place, right? Th the third place in terms of a uh, conference is rather competing for third place because where the sec and the big 10 are right now is substantially further ahead of the ACC, of the Big 12, and of the Pac-12. And that is in a few categories here, right? Number one, they're ahead when it comes to, uh, if we're talking about college football here, like the television contract, or just generally speaking, television contracts, right? Their television contracts are much larger than the other three. The ACC, it's mostly because they signed a really bad deal, but I still don't think the a ACC, if they were in the open market, would uh, be signing a deal that would come even near the value per school that you would see from the big 10 or the SEC, right? We saw that over nearly, you know, $1 billion per year um, for the big 10. You saw the big 12s, you know, they're not going to come anywhere near that. They had a really good deal. They're not going to come anywhere near that though. Um, and, you know, I'd, we wouldn't expect them to, especially with losing Texas and Oklahoma. They actually got a pretty good deal, right? Number two, the television numbers, guys. I mean, the ratings, uh, we saw them this past week, you know, great job by the big 12 of, of being in these ratings, right. Of, of being in the mix. But when you think about like what the ratings were over 10 million 
for the uh, the CBS game between Georgia and LSU, and also over ten million. You know, uh, I think it was nearly eleven million for the Georgia game, and then uh, over ten million for Michigan and Purdue. Which, like, let's be honest, guys, it's not a huge not a huge game. But you think about as Robbie Toronto mentioned yesterday the large alumni base that a Michigan has, you know, it's just there, there are more folks that went to the university of Michigan living alumni, things of that nature. It makes sense. Big 12 was excellent though. In a game that was competitive and had a ton of stakes, they were at the 9 million range, right? They were in third and they smoked the ACC. They smoked the AAC. Um, and then the PAC 12 was on a Friday night. So I, I hesitate to read a ton into it. Now the PAC 12 was standalone, right? We do have to factor in that to all of this as the Pac-12 was in that standalone spot. And so their ratings, you know, would be expected to be a, a bit down. Um, and I'm reading them once again right here. 10.89 for Georgia LSU, 10.69 for Purdue and Michigan, 9.4 for TCU and K-State. And then uh, Friday night, 5.9 for USC and Utah, 3.467 for ACC. 2.695 for AAC and 1.938 for the Mountain West. So you see, obviously, the Big 12 is in third there. But, you know, we're talking about the advantages of the Big 10 of the SEC, the recruiting advantages that places like Ohio State and Penn State and Michigan have over the schools here in the Big 12. And then also, obviously, the SEC, there's no need to discuss about their recruiting advantages geographic location, the amount they care about football. Obviously, it's basically like their pro teams there, um, you know, so on and so forth. That's a, just beating a dead horse at this point in time. And then we talk about the actual programs, like the consistency. You know, the Big Ten just followed up the uh, SEC. The SEC last year put two teams in the CFP. And now, uh, you know, this year we're going to see two teams in the CFP from the Big Ten, right? Michigan and Ohio State. I know, weird year. I know Ohio State kind of backed their way in the situation but obviously you guys understand the point here you know uh you know those back-to-back -back years we've seen multiple schools in the uh in the the cfp from those two conferences uh and and the big 12 is nowhere you know there i know the first time around they were close but uh they're not close to that right so they just have those advantages but now we get to the acc now we get to the pac-12 now we get to the big 12 and think about moving forward, what advantages, you know, these these leagues have uh, kind of like, you know, what is the trump card that these these leagues have over each other? And, you know, I think the ACC stands out in terms of branding, right? When it comes to brands, the ACC has stronger brands than what the new Big 12 will have. When you talk about an FSU, a Clemson, a Miami, a Duke, a Carolina, a Virginia Tech, all of those places have very strong brands, despite what their programs, what level they might be performing at, whether it be football and basketball, and especially football, Clemson, Miami, FSU, Virginia Tech, like those are brands that obviously carry a lot of weight, especially when they are playing very well. Um, and so you think about, okay, they might have the advantage there, but the problem for them is competitively, they are not there right now. And we just saw it. I mean, their big dog is Clemson and has been Clemson for a long time. And Clemson has been a CFP contender a long time and has been winning college football playoffs. You know, they've done it a bunch. But that cupboard has been rated, right? Uh, the coordinators have been rated. 
obviously, and, and you know, a couple times now. Uh, we saw Jeff Scott and Tony Elliott, right, both get jobs. And then you have a situation, too, defensive side of the ball. Obviously, Brent Venables getting a head coaching job now as he is at Oklahoma and going into year number two, or finishing off year one, I should say. And so you think about, all right, that 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 program, Clemson, is kind of on the decline. FSU looks like they might be back on the come up, but we don't know that for sure, right? NC State, this was kind of year, the year where they popped and they weren't able to do much with it. Wake Forest, their window is probably going to be closing, especially if Sam Hartman decides to go to the league or decides to go somewhere else. And I think those two options are, it's going to be one of those two not returning. Sucks to say my dad went to Wake Forest, so I like it that the Deacons do well. Uh, I think it sucks for them. And then you look at, you know, like, I hope they get rid of divisions there in the ACC. They need to really badly, obviously. But, like, that entire Coastal Division is a complete mess. Carolina, Pitt had nice years, um, but, like, they are not these consistent CFP contending winning programs, not even close. Duke, really nice year, Mike Alco, but that's not, like, what they do. Georgia Tech, still down. Miami, way, way, way down. UVA, horrible year. Virginia Tech, you know, possibly even an even worse year. Obviously, you know, everything we know that happened at uh, UVA, I mean, on the field, on the field, a worst year uh, potentially for the Hokies. And then you go to the other side. I mean, Clemson and FSU, we just talked about Syracuse, nice season, Louisville, nice season, but still seven and five, seven and five for both them. NC State, the quarterback issues eight and four, but it feels like that team's getting disbanded. Then Wake Forest, who was three and five in the league, that was a big step down in Boston College. So compelling brands, but um, the like there's not the coaching level in that league or the program level right now, like in terms of like how good the programs are, that feels like it. And part of this big stuff too is coaching. Like, do you have teams where we could see you make a big push to the top of the conference? And could you be believable this year? We saw, um, we saw, you know, TCU make that push and very believable as a CFP contender. I'm not saying they're going to win it, but to go to it. Right. Uh, who was the last team, in the ACC outside of Clemson who's felt like an actual college football playoff contender. Right. Florida State, obviously, when they went and won the damn thing. But that's that's that feels like a while ago. Right. That feels like a long time ago. Like, who is the last team? And there's been a lot of Carolina hype, but still, that's still Clemson's league. I know they didn't win it last year, but still, that's still Clemson's league. And we'll see if they can retrieve some of that glory with Cade Klubnik and they can keep that machine going. They got a coaching problem right now, an execution problem, an X's and O's problem right now. Hey everyone, quick word from our sponsors today. Today's Locked On Big 12 podcast is brought to you all by LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available and that's why you need to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. And you go to the Pac-12, like, I think that we we consider the Pac-12 schools in terms of programs, okay, well, USC, uh, you know, was up there. And great, that was fantastic. Uh, but that was too dependent on one player. And also, they're going to the Big Ten, right? UCLA, same story. I think Washington and Oregon, and this is why I've talked about them a lot, are programs with the stature that they could be back. They've been to the CFP, but I think they can definitely go and repeat and, and be there and be there in the picture, much like a TCU is right now. I think they've definitely got that ability to go and do that, especially if those two schools, USC and UCLA, move out. I mean, the schedule gets significantly easier 
when you don't have to play those two schools, especially if there's a Lincoln Riley. And also Chip Kelly deserves a lot of credit because that's still a very, very good UCLA team. Utah feels like they're knocking on the door. They were kind of a sexy pick this year. Um, they are these like perennial slow starters, but once the ball gets rolling downhill, they are very, very difficult to get rid of. Very difficult to beat. We saw they turn on a dime this year, another 10 and three season, but still a three loss year for them. Oregon state had a good year uh, as we mentioned, but like the programs that feel like they can legit make that run. Cause we've seen in the CFP, Washington and Oregon, and they're on the way back. They're on their way up, right? So they've got a couple programs there that feel like they can. Feels like some decent coaches. But when I compare that to the Big 12, is the program stature as good in the Big 12 as it is those top programs I just mentioned? I'm not going to talk about the bottom programs there because it's not really the conversation here. No, the programs in terms of like their name and their, you know, sex appeal, for lack of a better term, are not. But I think the one advantage that we've not talked about enough is the number of good coaches in this league and the number of good coaches now coming into the league, right? It feels like on any given year, because these coaches are pretty able, anybody can make a push to the conference championship, right? And now it feels like more so than ever that especially the 12-team playoff, you know, there are like eight teams on any given year. It feels like, you know, the big 12 could go right. I mean, TCU picked bottom, bottom of the barrel and they're in the college football playoff. And it's not like it's, you know, it's this ragtag group of guys. I mean, Max Duggan's got some ragtag to him, but Quentin Johnson isn't some, you know, what a Cinderella story for this kid. Like, you know, it's not a, you know, that's not, that's an NFL player right there. Darius Davis, that's legit track speed. Jamoy Hodge, gay biker always says this on big 12 radio looks like an inside backer, you know, you want to have it at the NFL level. Like that's, that's a feature of those teams. Siaki Ika at Baylor, right? Dave Aranda, you know, they put Jalen Petrie and Terrell Bernard in the league. How about those guys? Like these schools now, not across the board way, Georgia and, you know, uh, Georgia and uh, has in a way that, you know, Alabama has not talking about that. Those schools are always perennial contenders, but like these schools are putting guys out there that can coalesce any year and they can coalesce because of how good the coaching is. Mike Gundy, I still think is a very good coach. Still a chance to win eight years, uh, eight games this year. Um, you know, I'm not sure it's going to go well for them because it seems like there's nobody, uh, you know, we'll see who's even left with the team uh, when it comes to the bowl game. But, you know, it's he's still a really good coach and has consistently won. Dave Aranda has been up that direction. Also, we've seen Baylor succeed at that level. We know he can do it there. Sonny Dykes just got his extension, right? Cincinnati is a program. I know Scott Satterfield unproven, but like that's we've already seen seen them in the CFP. Gus Malzahn himself, UCF. I mean, I'm wearing this shirt today. Florida, that's a place where it could happen. Matt Campbell, we've already seen him build up and see what those great years are. Chris Kleiman, a program builder himself in that direction. Not sure, you know, obviously we have to wait and see, take a wait and see approach with how things go with Joey McGuire. We don't know totally on that front, right? Uh, and so it's it's hard to say. Lance Lightbold, though, I mean, that's somebody that was probably pretty sought after and basically said, all right, Kansas, not a seller dweller. And you're number two, right, with relatively the same roster. Uh, they turned some guys over, got some guys in the portal, sure. But, you know, Jalen Daniels is the guy they had there before and showing what can be done at a place like KU. Obviously, their season a bit derailed, but still made a bowl game and stuck that thing out. 
Obviously, there's some questions at places like West Virginia. We'll see what happens with Dana Holgerson. Uh, Kalani Sataki, I know they didn't have a good year at BYU, but he's a very good coach. Like the coaching depth in this league is really impressive all the way through. And, you know, if you want to save the exception of, um, you know, I just, I just, West Virginia right now is like the big question, but Neil Brown got one more shot, one more crack, one more bite at the apple. Um, and if you go to the ACC, like, you know, Dabo, great. Mike Norvell, people aren't totally sold yet. Dino Babers, um, um, totally forgetting the coach at NC State off the top of my head. Dave Doran, right? I love Dave Kloss. I think he's an awesome coach at, at Wake Forest. And then a great job, but that window seems like it's closing, right? Jeff Halfley, Mac Brown, do we know where he's going to go? Pat Narduzzi, they won a, a, a ACC championship last year, but that guy is a little bit of an older soul, if you will. I like Mike Elko at Duke, guys. We'll see what he does, but still, it's, it's Duke football. Georgia Tech. They got to see what they're going to end up doing. Obviously, you know, sticking with the uh, Brent Key, the interim coach, Tony Elliott and Brent Pry are very unproven as head coaches. Nowhere near the depth in the ACC. And you go out to the Pac-12, mentioning them too. A ton of questions there. Obviously, Lincoln's going to be gone. Kellen DeBoer, great year one at Washington. And once again, I think it's a program that should be up there. And it looks like also too, uh, you know, Oregon has done a very good job. Now losing Kenny Dillingham is going to uh, hurt them a good deal. But Dan Lanning done an awesome job there. I like Jonathan Smith. Obviously, we have to talk uh, you know, about the great job that Kyle Whittingham has done at Utah. You know, there, there's a bit more coaches uh, in, that, in that league. But I'm just talking about the guys who can surge up at the top and win the thing. And I would say the Pac-12 actually has the ACC beat in that category. Um, but for them right now, the reason why – and while I think they've got a bunch of good coaches, and you know, I, I think Chad Fish did a good job – uh, you know, I think I'm totally forgetting the guy at, um, at Washington State. I'm totally forgetting off the top of my head. One more word from our sponsors on today's show. Today's Locked On Big 12 podcast is brought to you all by Bet Online and BetOnline.net. It's the number one place for all of your sports action needs, whether it's the World Cup, MMA, boxing, NFL, college football, bowls, college basketball, NBA, NHL, whatever it is, they've got it. Get the latest odds and trends for every pro and amateur league out there from football to basketball, soccer to esports. They've got it all at BetOnline and BetOnline.net. BetOnline, it's where the game starts. The good job. We'll see what the hell happens uh, with Dion at Colorado. Obviously, Stanford needs to find a new coach as well. Um, and so it's an interesting league, but I would say the next thing that comes up then is like, what is your place currently in the sport? And the Big 12, if we're talking about the Big 12, the Pac-12, it feels like they rebounded much better from losing the schools than the Pac-12 did. And also the Pac-12, once again, like to go back to the college football playoff thing, because it really does matter. Um, and it's going to matter less, you know, I think as this as the 12 team goes, but like, I think you're going to see more variety out of the big 12, which teams go to a 12 team playoff and which teams are around the top and competing because the, and not just because, well, there's no dominant team, and the leagues are, you know, the league uh, it sucks and it's low down. No, it's because the coaching's really good. And if you get the right groups together on any given year, those guys can go ahead and surge up. And the Big 12, by a lot of metrics, I mean, the Big 12 was a much deeper league than the Big 10 this year. It was not even particularly close. The Big 12 was a much deeper league. Eight of the 10 schools obviously going to bowl games. But there was no bottom of the barrel. And even if it was Iowa State, like that's a school that still went and beat Iowa, right? And Iowa was in the driver's seat for the Big 10 West until the very last week when they lost to Nebraska. Um, you know, so that obviously it was hilarious when that happened, but like you guys understand what I'm saying there at that point. 
And so the depth of that, maintaining that's going to be difficult. Sure, yes. But because the coaches are so good in this league, and it's a variety, it's a cast of characters, but they've all had success in various points at that top level, you feel really good about where the league is heading, generally speaking, right? And so while the ACC has the better brands, while the Pac-12 can stand up with those top coaches, because I really love that. Once you get to the crop of coaches, it's a very good crop of coaches. Now, I know Kalen DeBoer, Dan Lanning, relatively un- relatively unproven, but still uh, for them, you know, awesome first seasons for both of those guys, right? Oregon ends up nine and three, and then uh, Washington goes uh, to 10 and two on the season. Those guys, I think, have a really good chance to tr- keep those programs kind of chugging along in the right direction. Um, but when you talk about them, like they don't have a television deal and they have not been around the college football playoff. And do you think that there's going to be a, you know, be a situation where it's Arizona in the PAC 12 title game and uh, you know, against um, Washington state and Cal and ASU and Colorado. Like I know Colorado was there a few years ago, but it does not feel like there's going to be as much cycling. Washington, Oregon should be around the top. Yes, sure. And Oregon state, I would definitely throw them in there too. But it feels like those three schools right now are the ones that are set up in at least the new Pac-12 to continually jockey for position. In the Big 12, guys, I'm thinking about next season. Like, who in the hell knows who should be the favorite to start next year? Remember Baylor picked to be the favorite this year, uh, you know, to uh, to win this league. And Oklahoma was there. And Texas, obviously, was uh, finished as number three in the league, had a chance to do it. But Tech was towards the bottom, obviously. Um, you know, TCU was towards the bottom, obviously. And so we saw those schools rise up and you really don't know the competitive balance is really good. Now, will this conference be a CFP factor next year? Really difficult to tell. I didn't think it would this year, but oh my God, there goes TCU. And that's the thing about this league. That's how they sold Fox. The fact that the big 12 has that competitiveness has as many good coaches as it, it does is breeding really good coordinators. Currently, Jeff Grimes and Garrett Garrett Riley just won the Broyles Award last year, right? They've got, you know, Jeff Levy at Oklahoma, at least for the time being. There's uh, Zach Hitley at Texas Tech. Like, all of these guys who feel like up young up-and-comers, they've got those guys also here in-house in this league. And so it feels like right now the Big 12 trajectory is up. I went through this the other day. That top six in the CFP, y'all, I mean, it's all SEC top seven it's all sec and big 10 and then there's a big 12 school and the big 12 was right in it last year but they would not have made the cfp because you know why a future big 12 school did in cincinnati and we'll see if scott satterfield can keep that rolling once again that goes to the point that i made a little bit earlier about the big 12 doing a great job when they lost ou in texas and recouping something back after that and making sure that they were able to get something moving forward so I think with TCU, you know, the thing about TCU is it's it's interesting is like, okay, what team that's picked in the bottom of the pack or in the bottom of the, um, of the ACC is going to have the talent level that a TCU has, right? And it clearly has this year. I mean, Josh Newton and Trey Hodges Tomlinson are two outstanding corners. One of those guys, a first round pick. They have a Heisman Trophy candidate at quarterback, which they kind of lucked into. And also another first round pick at wide receiver as well. And right now, an absolute, I mean, definitely a Sunday running back in Kendra Miller. And I think guys got a chance in Amore DiMercato too to play on Sundays pretty well. So, like, you see what I'm saying? Like, Wake, even Wake was great last year. 
Wake did not have that. When Wake played Clemson last year, they got absolutely flatlined because they couldn't hang with them. This year they hung with them some, but they'd lost a bunch of other games. And so the big question with all this stuff is like, do you see a situation where a, I don't know, a UVA or not Virginia Tech right now, for sure. My Hokies could not make a surge to the top, right? And do what TCU did this season. Could you see a school like Baylor doing what Baylor did last year? And don't forget, folks, Baylor manhandled Oklahoma at home. And they're a Chandler Morris YOLO game, you know, the YOLO Chandler Morris game against Baylor from being 12-1 and last season, right? I mean, that's that's how close they were to, to being, you know, a 12-1 and football team last year. And uh, the YOLO Chandler Morris game kept them away from that and possibly being in the conversation, right? And we've seen Bryles and, and Matt Rule and Dave Aranda all have success. They're like, these, these programs we keep mentioning – well, not household names that all had these attributes in recent years that make them legitimate cases. And it could be all of these schools, right? It's not just the, you know, the, the big brands, we're just waiting for the ACC brands to get going. And if they get going, sure, they could supplant the big 12, but they haven't. And their best brand is definitely slipping. If you think Clemson is, you know, old Clemson, we'll see what they adjust this year. It's not right? They've got quarterback issues. It seems that they found a guy. They've got secondary issues. It's, you know, we'll see if they can clean that up next year. Um, And they were exposed multiple times this year. And that did not look like a top four contending team. You know, TCU, they were winning the games, man. They were getting the job done uh, every single time. Didn't always look pretty. People were saying, let's look at top 14. Now, the way they kept winning, yeah, they did. Uh, Clemson never gave you that vibe. Absolutely not. And so I think, when I think, you know, comparing all this stuff, and I know we're kind of all over the place with this, but if you think about the placing, uh, the momentum, the conversation around the Big 12 right now, if you pile up, if you, you know, add in last year and add that in with this season as well, we're in a spot right now where I definitely think the Big 12 is kind of number three. I think the Pac-12 is still going to have a bunch of good programs. We'll see what happens there. I think it's it's getting safer to say right now is there's, Delivery man, you guys can hear that. I think it's safer to say right now at this point in time that the Pac-12 is going to stay together, and they've got a very good chance to have teams the CFP. I mean, Kyle Whittingham is an excellent, excellent coach, and it looks like Dan Lanning. It, you know, I think he'll be able to recruit and get another quarterback out there. We'll see what Bo Nix does, but I think he'll probably head to the NFL, right? And then we'll also see what happens at Washington. Michael Penix is coming back. I know USC and UCLA are there next year too, but I think there's a lot of really good, interesting programs out there that can kind of uh, you know, at the top with good coaches kind of compete with the big 12, but they haven't rebounded in terms of um, what the league's going to look like moving forward. They didn't rebound in the same way the big 12 did with adding schools. And so that put them at a deficit right now in terms of overall quality of their league. Right. And, and then also quality of their television contract and visibility. And so I think the general question is like, not just who is the third best league, but I think the general question here is more about like, which league do you feel third, you know, which league after the big 10 and the sec, do you feel best about right now coming out of this season? Obviously it can change, but if I look at the last two seasons, I consider what they're losing, what they're getting back and what all, where all the programs are. I like the positioning of the big 12 better than I like the ACC's. If they can wake up some of those sleeping giants and they can wake up Miami, they can wake up FSU, it's a totally different conversation. Sure. But when you had Carolina win the the ACC Coastal and just tank it down the backstretch, 
It's a huge problem, man. It's an absolute huge problem to have. And uh, that's, that's not a look that you see in the big 12, especially as of late. And once again, you know, nobody in the last, you look at, so you look at what happened last like three years, right? COVID year, maybe outwithstanding, but last two years, especially like nobody's dogging Baylor or uh, Oklahoma state going to that big 12 championship game. The only person who was dogging Kansas state going to this year's championship game was Paul Feinbaum and looked like an idiot too. When you see how good that Kansas state team is, that's definitely a top eight team in the country. No doubt about it with Will Howard, especially a quarterback. So nobody was dogging those schools the way they were dogging a, uh, you know, the way that they they were dogging a school like North Carolina heading into the championship. Even Clemson lost right before the championship game this year, right? Uh, you know, and and I think Utah and USC was really exciting. But like, let's be honest about it, that team that USC had was one man show, complete one man show. It turns out because as soon as Caleb Williams went down, they they ended up falling to a great coach, a great team, Kyle Whittingham. Kind of just seeing where I'm going with all this, right? I mean, it is. You know, last two years, just compelling, exciting, strong teams with good coaches that people want, and they've kept them in the conference right now, and they're going to try to keep them moving forward. That's a big key, keeping these coaches there. Obviously, we saw Luke Fickle leave. It's a tough loss, but Wisconsin's a massive major job, right? So we're not talking about the Big Ten. We're talking about the SEC, the the Pac-12, the Big 12, the Big Ten, right? And so I think when I put it all together, uh, coaching, recent success, you know, obviously this stuff changes with the CFP, but like coaching, recent success, unpredictability, television contract status, all of it together, you'd like to be the big 12 out of all of those schools. You know, when your next TV deal comes up, you know, who your next schools are going to be. You don't have to worry about expansion, at least in this time being, you know, right now, you're only thinking about forward movement. You're not thinking about regression or losing teams or any of that. At least right now, you're not. And so all of that, you know, and we like Brett Yormark a lot, right? Making the Big 12 championship more an event, television rating standpoint, you like where you are. I know there's a lot of thought about there, and then there are a lot of people saying this league would become basically what the AAC is now. It'll be a power four type situation, maybe even power three, thing that happens with the pack and the, uh, you know, and the AAC, uh, pack and the, the Big 12. But the Big 12 is in a great spot. And if you're Brett Yormark right now, you got to love where you are. No, you're not the Big 10, you're not the SEC. But you might be the next best thing. I think I think the Big 12 is the, you know, is the conference that you'd probably third most like to be uh, right now. I think it's a better conference in terms of football right now than the ACC is. I think I, you know, I would say that that top part of the of the Pac-12 was really good this year. It's a deeper league for sure all the way down uh, than the Pac-12 was this season. No doubt about that. So third best league, third, you know, the league that you third most want to be. I think that's definitely a good spot to be. The moral of the story is. The, uh, the Big 12 is in a great place right now. All right, that will do it for today's show. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at LOBig12. You guys can find me at Josh Neighbors underscore. You guys can find the podcast, uh, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify. It's on YouTube. Make sure you guys subscribe to the channel as well. Till next time, my friends, as always, stay safe.